Hey guys, welcome to episode 99 of Epic Breeze Podcast. This is pretty big. It's our episode before the 100 episode, and we're super lucky to um, welcome TED Talk speaker, art gallery owner, playwright, um, Chris James to the show. Chris, what's going on, man? How you been? Oh man, loving life. Uh, loving life a whole lot, man. Thank y'all for having me on. Yeah, thank you for being on. This is a... Uh, I don't know. It's pretty huge because like we never had a playwright on the on the show, <laughs> so, or, or or a TED Talk speaker. So it's pretty sweet. Hey, man, hey, well, I think it's gonna be an exciting episode, and I'm I'm you know very fortunate to be on the number ninety nine. That's a big deal. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> so, like, what have you what have you been up to um, as far as like this past month? For the past month, I um, have been traveling, you know, back and forth uh, to Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, which is my hometown, and and just uh, uh nice. getting um, my stage plays ready. Uh, being that I'm a playwright, uh, and also I, I guess I just ended a tour for my last stage play, uh, Dear Black People, which was a satire uh, written and performed in poetry verse. Super cool. We ended it in New Orleans oh, on wow. November 17th and 18th. Hmm. Uh, so now I'm just rehearsing, you know, full blo- full. Like full speed, like getting ready for the next uh, stage play that starts a tour in January, January 19th and 20th uh, in the Atlanta metro area and it'll end in Little Rock, Arkansas. So, yeah, so that's what I've been working on, man, uh, these last few weeks. That's so cool. Like, you seem like you're. Like definitely involved and super passionate about that stuff, which is amazing. Um, How's it growing up in Arkansas for you? Oh, man, Arkansas is. I don't know, cause I don't know how it is to grow up anywhere else. But I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I would. Uh, I would say, you know, it's definitely. I guess you know, visiting other places, man. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, Arkansas is it's really a a slow moving place. Okay. Uh, it's not, you know, um, you know, as far as the arts and culture, it, it wasn't a whole lot for me growing up. Uh, so I kind of just fell in love with it on my own. Uh, so, man. So I, I guess yeah, it was just really slow. You know, um, yeah. you know, I, I I grew up in a in a poor neighborhood, so, uh, so it, it, you know, all, all all I pretty much did growing up was play basketball, baseball, and go to the boys and girls club and and repeat it the next day and <laughs> and, and going fishing a lot. Being that I guess you know uh, Arkansas is the natural state, and I am a country boy, so okay. <laughs> uh, so nice. I definitely uh I, I remember being summertime like fishing every day was our summer activity like That's all we did cool. was fish and uh and that and fish fish and basketball fish and basketball <laughs> and nice. yeah so I, I i can teach you i can fish you know from midnight to midnight the next day you know so yeah <laughs> so that was that was pretty much life for me growing up man um yeah all right so i gotta ask if your life was growing up basketball going to the boys and girls club and fishing how'd you get wrapped into uh poetry and plays and things like that man um so i was um i i had a brother who was um who was this uh big drug dealer you know uh um he was this respected guy because he could you know he'd fight you if he if he if, if if he felt threatened like he was just really respected for a lot of you know negative reasons yeah um but he uh but he wrote poetry and I and I used to find his poetry in the closet and um and when I found that poetry 
you know, I, I, I told myself, like, man, if my brother does that, I can do it too. And that was uh, sixth <laughs> or seventh grade. Oh, uh, okay. So I started writing poetry uh, in seventh grade. And, um, yeah, and it kind of went from there, man. And then, you know, seventh grade, um, one of my teachers, Pilar Murphy, uh, she uh, she she caught me writing poetry during science class. And she was like, <laughs> man, you should keep doing this. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's and I kept doing it, man. And then uh, <laughs> senior year was my first time, like, sharing it in front of a group. Uh, we had this poetry night at, at North of the Right High School, uh, which was cool. And then, uh, yeah, and then I went to college. Well, I went to basic training for the Army. I did uh, Army Reserves. Okay. Uh, but then when I came back and did my first semester of college, a high school uh, classmate who actually put together that poetry night hit me up and was like, hey, it's an open mic happening in our city. So I came back from college, which was in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Okay. I came to Little Rock, Arkansas. And I met this guy. And he was a poet, and he was traveling the country doing poetry. And he was like, man, you know, I make this much money teaching workshops, doing poetry. Yeah, I make this much money touring as a poet. And then that's when I realized, man, I can make a living. I can make money off of doing something that I love, which right. is writing and sharing my writing aloud through performance. Um, yeah, and then after that, you know, as most people would say, it was history from there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but, yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. I always wanted to be a writer, I guess, you know, uh, so like so my my original dream was to be a news reporter. I wanted to you know go to the scene and find out what was happening and report the story. Now I guess I'm still doing that in a way. I'm just reporting the stories and the struggles of people through theater and through sp- spoken word poetry and through my books. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Did, did you did you find it hard to like get into that like creative space? as far as like writing goes or it kind of comes naturally for you yeah it kind of comes natural you know uh i guess sometimes you know being in a you know adulting and all that mm-hmm. you know we find ourselves um you know uh you know i guess having writer's block and things of that nature yeah um but as a kid man it just you know like when i started writing it just happened i had notebooks and notebooks on top of notebooks you know oh, yeah. <laughs> no notebooks in my, in my closet notebooks in my mama's car notebooks in you know in the in the laundry just notebooks everywhere it was just notebooks you know notebooks i didn't know i had it you know it, it just came out of everywhere but but now as an adult you know i guess I'm, i think a lot and sometimes i think too much mm-hmm. and you know so that sometimes you know gets in the way of the creativity but also um now, being that I write for a living, like all I do for a living is write and put my writing on stages, right. you know, uh, yeah. and, or in classrooms to teach young people, you know, the art of writing. Uh, so a lot of times I'm writing very strategically, and sometimes that kind of, uh, you know, messes with my creativity because, you know, I'm writing for to make a living, and I got to write, you know, for what people want. You know, a lot of times. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Good uh, do you have any direct influences that helped craft your style of writing? Um, any direct influences? Right. Um, is that is that what you asked? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure um, yeah, man. I would definitely say, uh, um, you know, more of local artists and poets uh, kind of help to um, craft my style as a writer. Uh, you know, uh, Marquise McFerguson, uh, who's an amazing poet from Wrightsville, Arkansas. Uh, he's also known as Apollo. He was uh, one of the uh, ranks, one of the second 
uh, dopest poets in the world in I think 20, 2011 uh, oh, won wow. second place in the uh, Southern Fried Poetry Slam which <laughs> nice. is the second largest poetry slam in the world uh, so I definitely uh, you know pulled from him uh, also uh, an artist by the name of uh, Drika Morning uh, she was uh, very influential uh, early in my early stages of writing uh, who was also my uh, fiance now, you know. Oh, nice! Congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, she, <laughs> so she she was definitely influential, and I guess some of my some of the other artists that kind of uh, impacted my writing style. I would definitely say um, Saul Williams uh, and Black Ice. So those are uh, definitely two uh, well well known poets that definitely uh, impacted my style of writing. Nice. Uh, but as far as my style of writing in theater, um, I would say uh, Intazagi Shange. Uh, and she is the writer of for colored girls who have considered suicide considered okay. suicide when the rainbow wasn't enough. I think that's the full name. Okay. Uh, but but that was a stage play that was written in the in mid 1900s, 1960s, 70s, something like that. Oh, wow. uh, and it was a stage play that consisted of 21 poems. What? Um, okay. That you know, and it was a theatrical play. It was amazing, and, and you know, and it still gets done to this day. You know, in colleges mm-hmm. and theater groups all across the world. Uh, so, and again, you know, when I so when I saw that play uh, in 2013, is when I kind of first saw it. Yeah, that's when I said, "Oh my God, I can take my poems and turn them into stage plays." Right, and that's what okay. all my plays are now. Right. So, uh, so, so Intazagi Shange is definitely a. Uh, a, a huge motivation. That's awesome. That kind of started the whole the whole thing for you. Um, so I, I have like an off question. Did you like did you use your your, your poetry skills to to win your fiance over? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I maybe I did. You know, sometimes I use my superpowers. Nice. You know, you know, you know, for things of that nature. Yeah, and it's crazy. We actually met at a poetry slam. Okay. And I, I, uh, she was competing, and I was a judge. Oh, that's uh, cool. You know, so I kind of. <laughs> Met her that way, uh, but win? the other thing, the thing is, uh, I actually scored her low, and she lost. Oh no! You know, really? so <laughs> yeah, but you know, but you know, I, I won over with a poem later. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. That's <laughs> <perfect>. <laughs> so, like, what was it like the first time you saw your first production, like on stage, like something you you wrote, created, and you saw the first? It, you saw it the first time being performed. Man. uh I'll tell you this, like my, um, like the process was, was scary. Yeah. But it, it felt natural. Okay. And, I, and I'll and I'll tell you this, I I have no professional training in theater. Uh, didn't go to college for for theater. Okay. Uh, you know, it was something that I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, you know, I literally interviewed every playwright in my neighborhood, in my community. Uh, you know, from Magnolia Gay to Coffee Davis. Um. Uh, you know, to Cal, uh, Dr. Cal Miller, mm-hmm. you know, I literally sat down with people in my community who done it. I watched videos on YouTube, uh, all this, man, because I wanted to do it. Right. Uh, yeah. And that was all over a, month, a span of, of three, six months. Oh, you know, wow. I wrote, I, I wrote the play when I was educating in the alternative school. Okay. Um, uh, my first play, the odds against us, which is the play that's about to go on tour now. Right. Um, but yeah, man. But but that process was like it was crazy. It was it was scary. I was nervous. Uh, you know, um, I didn't know if people were gonna come out. Um, 
but to see people come out, you know, to pay twenty and thirty dollars for tickets, to to see to see to be backstage and on stage because I actually acted in the play when I first did it, my first play. Uh, to see people on, on in the audience crying, yeah. to be able to hear that, uh, to to see them laughing, just to see all the different reactions on the people's faces, right, uh, right. was just confirmation. It was affirmation uh, that I was doing something good. I was doing something that was impactful, right. Uh, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So it was definitely a, it was definitely a, you know, uh, something that I needed. You know. Uh, you know, it, it made it all make sense to me. Uh, and and actually, uh, that same year, uh, 2013, uh, is the year that I quit my last regular job. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah. So, I, so, yeah. So, it was. So, that's how I felt. It felt like I could do anything, you know, when I saw that production on stage. And now I've been able to do them, you know, all across the country. Well, the South, anyway, from... Little Rock, Arkansas, to Memphis, Tennessee, to New Orleans, to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, yeah, man. That's so, pretty major, yeah. though. That's a major city, so you're mm-hmm. definitely doing doing it for real. Oh yeah, definitely, man. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh you know making some noise, you know, uh, in those cities. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, where do you find your inspiration for your poetry and your uh, plays? Like, is it a lot of personal experiences or is it just things that you gathered or do you just like interview people and kind of get their stories to tell? Uh, man. Yeah. I, uh, I, I find my inspiration from, um, from, from all of that. That was all of that actually, uh, from my, my personal realities, uh, to the realities of other people, you know, that I see, uh, that, that, that I find myself, uh, being, um, sympathetic about you know or empathetic you know because i've experienced it uh, you know like to play the odds against us that 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 you know that i'm doing uh january 19th and 20th uh in the atlanta metro area um it was a play that talks about it's a play that talks about the reality of urban youth but from their own perspective um and in that play you know my goal was to be the voice for the voiceless you know, we uh, we see a lot of movies about a lot, of, and they talk about a lot of different people's realities, and mm-hmm. they come from a lot of different perspectives. But there's never there's there's not really many films or stage plays out in the world that that talk about that talk about the reality of urban youth, but from their own perspective. We always hear, you know, how many kids are dropping out, how many young people are get, becoming teen parents, yeah. how many are, are going to jail, how many are killing each other, how many are whatever. We hear all these things, but we never get to hear from the voices of those young people why they exist and behave the way that they do. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of young people right now who are, who are you know, like being rebellious to their parents or being rebellious to uh, their upbringing. Um, and a lot of times adults just look at them like, oh, they're just bad or they just this and that. Right. But the yeah. reality is these young people have real emotions yeah. you know uh, so i wanted to show that in, in this in my, in my upcoming play mm-hmm. um so yeah so so the upcoming play it talks about a lot of things that i experienced a lot of things that my friends experienced you know uh, i was 16 when i became a dad you know um, oh wow okay you know the girl i was with was 14 you know yeah. uh, um my brothers were 18 and 19 uh, when they were sen- sentenced to 25 and 40 years in prison, oh, and um, and you know, so all those things are things that I've experienced. I was 12 years old when you know this sounds crazy, but I was 12 years old when I, when I sold my first crack rock. Oh, 
right. you know yeah. um you know um you know and then most of my friends like literally most of them like i ain't just exaggerating when i said but most of my friends dropped out of school yeah you know didn't make it to graduation didn't make it to 11th grade year or 12th grade year oh, um most of my most of the people that i grew up with have never been outside of our neighborhood they still live there mm. They, they still either live with their parents or yeah. they're all dating the same girls that live in the neighborhood still. Right. Their everyday uh, cycle is wake up, smoke weed, sell drugs, breaking some breaking people house that you hang with. Yeah. Uh, repeat, and that's their life. Wow. You know. Uh, so 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 I'm so I guess to answer your question further, uh, my writing, my work. Uh, is inspired by by these type of situations, by these realities. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, also, I'm just, my writing is inspired by the stereotypes in, in which I experienced. Right. Uh, yeah. You definitely. know, as an African American in America, uh, or African in, in America. Uh, yeah, man. So, yeah. You know, I, I my goal is always to put something in the in the, in the faces of the people. In a way, in a way that they never seen it before, you know. Uh, yeah. You know. So, yeah. What do you think um, allowed you to not stay in that monotonous path of negativity? Like, what you just say, like your um, like maybe like your teachers had a big role in that, or just like poetry itself, or just a combination of all those things. Uh, yeah. I I, I would say, um all of that you know um mm-hmm. i definitely um like even when i was doing it man i was just i was very uncomfortable okay you know uh you know like i remember when my uh my friend stole a car i was like 15, 14 15 uh and uh there was a time when we broke into this like factory uh and we like <laughs> broke the vent uh Broke the glass on the vending machine and mm-hmm. took all the all the snacks out of it and yeah. then, uh, and all the coins. But you know, and these I'm just naming criminal acts that we've done. Right. But every mm-hmm. time uh, I was uncomfortable, you know. Uh, yeah. So I knew, I knew even back then that even though that was our norm, mm-hmm. you know, being that you know poverty often you know has us doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Right. Right. I I I I, I wasn't happy with it. Yeah. I knew we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. Uh, well, yeah, so so that's kind of so that was that was the motivation within itself. But when I was 16, you know, uh, becoming a father, that was like the biggest thing. Okay. That um, pushed me to do more and to break that cycle. Yeah, definitely. And it's crazy. It's like. Really, like, admirable how you're able to get this far from being, you know, ha- having that be, like, a huge part of your life as you were younger. So, definitely, like, huge kudos and credit to you for right. separating from that. I, I appreciate you. And, and then now you're, like, giving back in your own way, too. You know what I mean? Trying to let people see things through your eyes and so they don't go down that path if they're close to it or already on the path, you know? Yeah. Um, so what's like what's what's the best part of of writing for you? Say that again. I'm sorry. What's the best part of of writing for you of the whole process? Man, um, finishing it. <laughs> that's, that, that's the best part of the process. Like okay. coming up with the concept and 
and you know and using all these creative metaphors and all that that's that's cute but the the best part of the process is finishing like man i just i'm done yeah <laughs> this is it you know it, it's just like a painting like you know when you finish a painting and you hang it on the wall like, and you and you have the opportunity to admire it yeah so that so, so the process of admiring the completed the completed piece is the most satisfying yeah of course you know um yeah, so that's you know, so being able to look at my finished pieces is definitely uh, the best part. Now, do you uh, give yourself like this is going to be my final draft? I'm done with it at this point, or do you keep going back and looking at it and seeing what you can change, make better? Uh, well, man, to be honest, like when I when I've written a piece, I I, I, I may look at it thirty to fifty times, you know, mm-hmm. reading it complete, com- re- completely reading it. Uh, because I'm either enjoying it or because I'm looking at ways I can make it better. Um, but like I tell my students when I teach, work, teach workshops, um, the piece is never done. You know, um, like stage plays that I, the stage play I wrote in 2013, the one I wrote in 2014, the one that I, I just finished, you know, what that's in a finish, almost finished um, this year, I, I, I can always make it better. Like I can look at a Shakespeare play and make it better, you know. And now, you know, um, you know. So yeah, so it's always a way to make it better. Like nothing is ever at its best, you know. Uh, so yeah, so I, so I believe, in my opinion, that my work is always able to evolve into something better or different. Right. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm I'm never really finished, but I'm always, but I, I often get to points where it's it's at a great place to go on the stage. Okay. Would you say that you're um, like a super uh, perfectionist in that same vein, or? Ooh, uh, <laughs> he's like, I, I, I wouldn't say that because I'm an artist, and you know, and as an artist, I'm just like, you know, when you know, so, sometimes I just ended at you know, in the middle of a sentence, and sometimes you know, so I'm I'm not really no I'm. So no, I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist, man. Because I'm again, I'm an artist. I'm very non-traditional, uh, but I do, you know, when it comes to me directing my plays and the way, you know, when it comes to my actors and and the way that they present, um, I'm very strict on them and I'm very uh, true to the vision. And it has to be done this way and it has to be done this way, and that's the only way. Uh, but I am. Uh, very open-minded in, in all in every process in the writing in the directing um but i'm not so but but no i'm not a perfectionist and like how do you know as far as like your actors go how what's that process for i guess from your perspective of um auditioning and choosing the right person for the parts you have to fill it's uh i i, I guess i just kind of you know uh, study the characters and um and I kind of look at, you know, make sure they fit the look, okay. make sure they're able to, um, I guess, give, give be that ideal voice right. that I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, I guess one of the most important things, is, you know, if they're directional, you know, like, can they take direction? You know, like, are they able to be molded into what I need them to be molded into? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, and, and that's the and actually the reason Like most times when I when I'm casting, mm-hmm. I uh I, own, I cast people um, 
uh, that have never been in plays before. Oh. And so I, I so I, I like I prefer to work with new actors, new actresses, okay. uh, because they're they're still you know at a point where they don't feel like they know it all. Right. Right. That's true. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's so I, I usually kind of go for those people, and also they appreciate the opportunity more. Right. You know, yeah. versus you know somebody who's been acting for thirty years and they like oh, whatever. I'm, I'll be at rehearsal thirty minutes late today. You know. Uh, yeah. Do you um. Do you have a, a process that you use to get ready, like when you're ready to create something, as far as like a, a play or a poem, or you just kind of get in, inspiration, just living life, I guess? Or, uh, man, uh, every pro, every every time is different. Okay. Uh, so, sometimes you know, uh, a play may start out, um, with a poem. You know, uh, you know, with just one poem. Right. Um. Sometimes it may start out with just like one thought, like my play Dear Black People, uh, you know, uh, which again just ended tour. Like it started out with just, uh, you know, with, with a t- with a title, you know, which was uh, I saw the title Dear White People. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when, when I saw that, uh, I think 2013 is when I, I think I, I first started hearing about it. Okay, and I started writing, uh, and that was I, I hadn't even saw it, but I heard, but when I heard that name. It inspired like when I thought when I saw that name I, I thought of a letter like man they're black people yeah and and I and I actually started that that play out with a poem and that poem later became the last scene of the play oh wow uh, okay that's awesome. yeah so so that that's kind of how that happened uh, so yeah so each each play man it starts out different, and and, right. that, and that's and that's kind of crazy too because actually the new play that I'm writing, a love like this, uh, it um, it ends with an article uh, that I saw that I read on Huff on, on the Huffington Post. Okay, which mm-hmm. talks which talks and, and the title of it was uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I think it was called uh, uh, Sometimes We Meet the Love of Our Lives, and we don't get to keep them, and that's okay. Oh wow, mm-hmm. that's pretty um, powerful, yeah. Yeah, so, and some and my new play ends with that article. Nice, but uh, yeah, so the whole yeah, so that's kind of the process. When you have to like present like sensitive uh, topics through your your poetry and writing and your plays and stuff like that, do you do you like try to um, make it more like I guess like digestible, or you just kind of give it to them like straight up and that's just the way it is type thing you know what i mean um yeah yeah i, I definitely go, uh go in I always go in with the audience in mind okay you know uh yeah you know because I, I i realize we're in a world of you know simple human beings you yeah, know right. so um you know so we i attended a workshop you know uh years ago in south carolina and uh and ed mabry said who and ed mabry is like Number one poet in the world uh, for the last five years. He's won the biggest world poetry competitions for the last maybe four years straight. Oh, wow. Nobody's yeah. beat him. Okay. Uh, but in his writing workshop, he says that uh, your writing should be it should be at a it's, you should write from a, you should write it to where a little white girl, a little five year old white girl in Minnesota could still digest it. Okay. Can still comprehend. Yeah. Your overall message, right, right, and uh, 
and I always go in with that in mind, you know, and 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 maybe you know everybody won't get every piece, you know, because I don't simplify that much. Got it. But okay. I still, you know, want to get it to a point to where you know a, anybody can can receive it. You know, it can be a message for everyone, right? To definitely. receive, you know, like you know, even 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 to play dear black people, like it wasn't. You know, it was it was real it was real pro black and it uplifted black people. Mm-hmm. But it was you know, but but like the like you know, I, I did uh, interviews on NPR and you know and uh you know in, in newspapers and things like that. And um and what we you know and what the, the phrase that's been coined is, dear black people, is a mirror to some and a cultural baptism to others. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. like, you know, black people are reminded, you know, right. like, this is that, that's how we live and that's how we exist. Right, right. And then for others who don't come from a black experience, they're culturally baptized. They're right. like, man, they get a whole lot of information, Yeah. you know, in a short amount of time. Uh, so, yeah, so I try to create my work for everybody. I think that's really important, too, because, like, it's nice not to feel, and for everyone, it's not. It's nice not to feel like isolated. You know what I mean? Like, so that's really important because, like, uh, it's like in, instances where you see things and then it's like something that you don't understand and you just feel like kind of by yourself type of thing. Like you're the only one not getting it. So, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's like super important that you're doing that. I think that's really yeah. awesome. Yeah, exactly, man. That's you know, again, you know, I'll, again. I can't only write for me. I have to write for, you know, my ideal audience. And, right. And I got to sell tickets. Yeah, of course. Know? Yeah, right. You <laughs> yeah, know, no doubt. And, you know I, I, can, I can do the play one time and, and pack it out because of the marketing was so good. Mm-hmm. But if that word of mouth is what is what packs out the second show and the third right. show and the fifth show yeah, because it was true. so good. Right. You mm-hmm. know, um, because they understood it. They got it. You know, and then they bring their kids, and they bring their girlfriends. And Definitely. Then you, and then you bring your side girlfriend, or <laughs> too. You know, because you want them, to, you want to see it again. You know, yeah. uh, you know. So definitely, man. <laughs> Do you ever get nervous when a new show is about to open, or you're you, like you feel okay, like confident in the work itself, and you know it's going to be okay, or you're like, I hope people fill the seats, or uh, man, uh, yeah, Been, you know. Yeah, I worry about all that. I worry about yeah. if the seats are going to be full. Uh, I worry about if, you know, I hope dude don't miss this line. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I'm worrying from every angle. You know, I, right. hope, I hope this person don't miss the light cue. I hope this person <laughs> uh, turn the sound on not too early. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, like, I think, what was it that uh, we did my play in, uh, and I think, I think it was Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Um, no, no, it, it was Atlanta, Georgia. We did it on September 30th this year. Oh, nice. And, uh, and the sound guy missed the – they turn, so when the lights come on, mm-hmm. the sound is supposed to come on. Okay. And the play is supposed to start immediately. Right. The lights the lights came on, and ten, it was like 15 seconds went by, oh, and no. still no sound. Ooh. And I just ran and I just ran out and started my scene. Oh, no. You know, uh, <laughs> so – Man. Uh, uh, yeah, and then like my very first play I ever did – the sound guy played the same song for uh no he played a, a, a song too early yeah uh that's a song that was supposed to be in like like a in the next scene okay in, in this scene and then he played that scene again oh, no. the next scene so he can catch so he can catch back up right. like dude, no <laughs> oh, that's you know so, so nice. yeah so you know but but i've learned you know from all those you know chaotic moments 
to just go with it, man, because the right. overall the audience don't know. That's true. Yeah. You know, they yeah. don't they don't know if something messed up. Right. Unless yeah. unless we panic. That's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, unless I'm backstage cussing and oh <laughs> shit, man, this is oh man, you messed you know. Yeah. That's and true. I never do that. I just I'm just like, man, it's, it's all good. I like you know, and that's the that's attitude awesome. I, you gotta have. You gotta have the attitude that mm-hmm. no matter what, I'm going to win. You know, and that's my attitude with every in every situation. I'm going to win. That's awesome. Nothing's gonna stop me from winning. Mm-hmm. Do you ever um do you ever have like any instances where uh, you have to be a part of every like sound and lights and things like that? Are you, are you a part of that as far as like going up to to opening night, or do you have people taking care of that for you? Uh, when I started out, I, I was doing everything. Well, no, my first show, I guess I uh, well, I guess I yeah, I guess I have brought people in to run lights and sound. Okay. All in the past, so yeah, so I've always had people to do that. Um, so um. Uh, now I'm at a level where, uh, where I'm where, well, and also in all the, all my past shows I've acted in them. Okay. Now cool. I'm getting to a, a point where you know I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be Tyler Perry. I don't want to. Be, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to act in every one of my plays. Right. Right. You know. Um, yeah. So like like my the play that's starting in January 19th, I'm going from acting in like nine scenes to uh, acting in one scene. Okay. Cool. And the rest of the show. Uh, I'll just be in the background, you know. Yeah. I, well, I'll run the lights and I'll run the sound. That's awesome. You know, uh, so I'll just do that, and um, and also I, I even brought in an assistant director this time. So, oh, cool. you know, uh, because I've traveled so much across the country this mm-hmm. in in this season that I would I wasn't able to be at every rehearsal. So, right, you know, right. so I've kind of you know have less responsibility now uh, than I have in the past. And I'm sure you've learned a lot through being like sound person, light person, this person, that person. Like you kind of right. learn a lot from just playing, like wearing all those hats, right? Oh yeah, man. You know, and, and it's beneficial. Yeah. You know, because I've had you know uh, situations where people build on me, and I had to make it happen. Right. You right. know. So uh, so yeah. Did you it's, just? It's de- definitely been beneficial. Did you just jump into those roles also, or do you have someone showing you what to do, or you did your own research? I know, like, YouTube is a thing now. You can learn to do, like, almost anything, at least at the beginner's level, just watching videos and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm a, I have a, a PhD in YouTube University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, but I definitely, you know, watch some people, man. And, okay. Uh, you know, like, you know, when I bring people to do things, man, mm-hmm. I'm definitely watching so I can learn. Oh, of course. You know, yeah, like, I'm a sponge, man, like. I'm learning every chance I can. And learning all those different roles, I, does that help you when you're writing? Because you can sit there and be like, okay, I want this particular lighting in this scene. I want, you know, this particular stage direction. Does that kind of feed over into that a little bit for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, um, yeah, so, like, so I design all my light uh, lights, like, sets and and then I do all the scoring, so I, I find oh, all the music. That's awesome. Uh, you know, so so yeah, so I, I always go in with with how do I want people to feel in this scene? How do I want them to react? You know, in this scene, you know. So so I, so I go into all of that. So I'm all, I'm thinking about that in the, in the writing process uh, as well. You know, like do I want red lights in this scene? Do I want uh, do I want the lights to be bright in this scene? Do I want it to be dim in this mm-hmm. scene? And you know, and I put all that into my script. You know, uh, into the final script, um, because because again, you know, I don't, you know, nothing should be accidental, right? Right. Uh, yeah. You know, um, like I, when I wrote, like I have a scene that's called the 
a funeral scene, right? It's a funeral scene. Like I wrote that with with the intention of making people cry. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know. So so every scene, you know, as far as lighting and sound, I definitely go in with a, with an idea of what I want. Do you um? Yeah. Do you have like uh? Is there a a, a tough part of writing for you at this point, or it just kind of flows on its own? Yeah, it, it flows, man. It flows. Uh, okay. I mean, as, as long as I'm writing writing what I ultimately want to write, you know, uh, like uh, as long as I'm inspired, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, the tough part, the only time it is a tough part, is is when I'm it's when I'm trying to write about something I don't have no business writing about, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like, you know, like I, uh, like me, I'm not necessarily inspired. A lot, a lot of poems are writing Donald Trump poems. Oh, right. right. Okay. I'm not really moved by him. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and what that he's doing. Sense. I mean, to be honest, you know, yeah. I'm not, I don't think anything about him. Right. Like, at right. all. I mean, he's just, he just, he is what he is, you know? Right. Yeah, no, uh, right. You know, so, and that's ultimately not like, it's just, it just is what it is, you know. Racism yeah. is real, and everything, you know. It's it just is what it is, man. So yeah, so I, the only hard part is when, you know, I'm forcing myself to to write about things that I don't need to be writing about. So right. I stay in my lane, you know. I, I write about only what moves me, and when I'm and when I'm moved, magic happens. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you find it hard to write characters that you may not necessarily have a connection with? Like say, do you find it harder to? And a lot of people find it harder to write the opposite gender because they don't have that mindset. Do you find that to be true, or do you find it kind of easy just based on your experiences and you just kind of write as a the characters as a human instead of a specific gender? Uh, nah, I don't really find that hard. I mean, uh, I feel like you know I've you know been with enough women, you know, and uh, to kind of you know and. You know, it's just like impersonation. You know, um, like there there are people who can sound, who can sound just like Jim Carrey or Eddie Murphy right now. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. I don't think it's hard to study the behaviors of humans or, or or people. You know, especially if you if you've seen them and been in the presence of them all your life. You know, so right. yeah. so I, so I think that's a that's a pretty easy you know um, uh, thing to pick up on. You know, for the most part. You know, uh, you know, and, and nobody can ever, you know, it's just like a, a biopic, you know, uh, like a lot of people are mad at, you know, the Tupac uh, movie. Oh, yeah. They didn't get the story right. They, mm-hmm. That wouldn't that wouldn't happen. But yeah. when you're writing about another human, it's not it's never going to be perfect. That's true. You right? know, there's no way to perfect it. You know, uh, but the only, I guess the only way you can do it is, you know, you just got to write it the best way you can. Right. And right. sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a hit and miss. The first person who made a Malcolm X biopic movie got it wrong, you know. And Spike Lee came back years later, and you know, and and um, Denzel Washington played him. Yeah. And it was a hit. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess it's it's just yeah. I Plus, guess you gotta you just gotta be open minded in the process and write it the best you can. Yeah. And I was listening to um an interview with Lance and uh, Rivera from back in the day. He chilled with Biggie, and he was uh had like um entertainment cameron was signed to the record label anyway he was saying that like uh, about the tupac movie like everyone writes things from their own perspective so it's never going to be it's never going to match up across the board you know what i mean like everyone saw that that night differently or whatever so 
I guess that that's something to consider too when you're watching that movie. It, 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 exactly, exactly, and that, that's right, man. I mean, and everybody experiences something you know differently. You know, I, I um I used to have this opinion, you know, um that um that every boy um who was and and, and don't judge me, you know, it's just no, a, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just you know uh an opinion. Uh, so I used to have this opinion that every boy who um, was molested, uh, uh, what? No, that wasn't the opinion. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the opinion was, um, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'm saying, you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah, was, my it. Old, it was my old truth. Uh, you know, in truth evolved. You know, some people were Christian and they were like, "This was Christ is this," and then you see them ten years later and they like, oh, "I'm a Muslim now." Yeah, you know? right. You know. Uh, so my old truth was, I thought every uh, boy who was homosexual uh, may have dealt with molestation. Okay. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so so that was my truth at that point. Exactly. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and 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 I could have went off and made a whole documentary that that was that was my truth. Right. And then later on, I would have looked at it and was like, that ain't necessarily the case. <laughs> right. Yeah. And now it's on like you know now it's on recorded history because you made a documentary. Of it. Right. Yeah, they can pull it back up. Remember this, Chris? Remember these opinions you had? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, but yeah. exactly. But that's what I think of that. So I guess that was a smart move not, not making that documentary then. Huh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I, yeah. you know, yeah, I, that wouldn't I would I wouldn't do that now. Right, right. <laughs> um, I was gonna ask, what was the road? Uh, like, what was the road to getting to be or becoming the director of the Roots Art Connection and the House of Art? Like, what was that road like for you to have that achievement? Uh, uh, I got, well, starting the Roots Art Connection, which is my nonprofit, 501c3, based in Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but now we, uh, you know, are between, you know, the four cities, uh, uh, Little Rock, Memphis, uh, Atlanta, and nice. that other city. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so I guess it was... You know, it was something I wanted to do. You know, I was all about using art to connect to community, uh, to education, and to opportunities for commerce, okay. for money, for underserved artists. Uh, so it was it was work that I was already doing, uh, you know, with no money involved, you know. Uh, but I had a passion to do it, and it just became, you know, what it is. You nice. know, um, so everything I do, again, uh, everything I do is intentional, you know, and it's always with, with an end goal in mind. You know, um, I... Uh, I I go in with um so I, I so I, I I they bring me in every year to a school called uh, the University of Arkansas Little Rock mm-hmm. to um a graduate class and I speak to to a, this uh class that's um working to get a degree in nonprofit work. Okay. And I and I speak to them about social entrepreneurship. And the way we define uh social entrepreneurship is is it's all about the community and um and everything I do, I think about, I look at the need of the community. You know, what's this message that the community needs to hear? What's, like, what do artists need? Yeah. What do uh, people in this impoverished uh, neighborhood need? And I create bodies of art or programs or projects that benefit those needs nice. that exist in the community. Uh, so, yeah, you know, so, like, for instance, through the Roots Art Connection, I started uh, the House of Art, which is my art gallery. Nice. Um, okay, cool. So I realized that art, a lot of artists who look like me, a lot of artists who uh, 
who didn't necessarily know, you know, the right people, mm-hmm. you know, or that their art was too urban or was too risky or or whatever, right. or they just or they just didn't dress the par or look right. Right. You know, maybe maybe he was a hippie. Maybe he smoked weed. Maybe he uh, <laughs> had too many tattoos. Maybe he dropped out of high school. But he, but they, but all these people were super uber talented, and um, and they can run circles around this dude with a PhD in it. You know, yeah. uh, so yeah. I, I realized that those artists needed a space. They needed a venue to express themselves, to hang their artwork and sell it, so they would no longer be starving artists, but thriving artists. Uh, so I opened up a venue. I opened up a gallery where. Any artist, whatever level of artist you are, already a 65-year-old artist who painted all your life and your art is under you in your basement, um, or rather you're a high school student or a homeless man, uh, and, and we allow homeless people to hang their art in my gallery uh, and sell it, um, and we put money in their hands. We've also taught artists you know, the business of art. Uh, we also host poetry uh, open mics and music open mics and comedy open mics. And we allow authors to come read excerpts from their books every Friday night at my art gallery. That's and, amazing, uh, yeah. And, um, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I see a need and we use art to address it. Sweet. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Seriously. That's All so right. cool. And I feel like art is needed in the community just, just as like an aside. That's super important. Right. Oh yeah, man! I saw this post. It said, "Earth without art is eh." <laughs> that's that's amazing. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I saw that post. I was like, "That's so true." You know, like <laughs> yeah, completely that's so agree cool. with that. All right. Uh, somebody, somebody go listen to this interview. I'm like, what? What does that even mean? <laughs> right. so, so for Just those who listen to this interview, make sure you write, write it that way. Right yeah, right yeah, write it down. And then, yeah. and then take out art, and then you'll see what we mean. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are just visual people, so yeah. So give us your best elevator pitch for your new play. Give us a couple of minutes synopsis, and then and kind of explain why we should go see it. Man, uh, so the stage play, The Odds Against Us, uh, it's a stage play that's written and performed in poetry verse. Uh, it talks about the reality of urban youth, but from their own perspective. Again, as I said in the beginning of the interview, that often we hear all these statistics, all these numbers about how many young people are dropping out, how many are killing each other, how many are going to prison, how many are becoming teen parents, how many are, or how these kids are bad or they're angry and they're all of these things and they have no reason to be doing that. Right. Uh, right. This play right here allows those young people to share their side of the story. This is why I'm mad. This is why I'm angry. This is why I dropped out of school. This is why I was 13, 14, 15, 16 and having sex anyway. Uh, so the goal is to change the way that the world looks at these young people. They're not rebellious. They're not, you know, this or whatever. They're hurt. And why are they hurt? Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't wake up and say, "Hey, I want to be a dropout. Hey, I want to be a hippie. Hey, I want to be a, a, a crackhead. Hey, I want to go to prison at 18. Mm-hmm. I want to kill somebody." Nobody wakes up and aspires to be that. So this mm-hmm. play right here is gonna give you a deep, in-depth understanding of these young people. Uh, the the third leading cause of death for young people ages 10 to 14 is suicide. Oh. You know, and that right there alone shows that. Young people are dealing with things mm-hmm. that we as adults in the world is not taking serious enough. Uh, so this play right here, The Odds Against Us, is happening January 19th and 20th in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it's definitely going to be a piece that everybody needs to see. 
Okay. That's, um, that's my uh, two-minute pitch. Oh, you definitely you definitely uh, pitched it very well. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so where at in Atlanta are you going to be coming? Uh, so it's, so it's actually in the Atlanta metro area, so it'll be in Latonia, Georgia, to be exact. Okay. The 3D Complex, uh, that's on Panola, that's 2244 Panola Road. Uh, so January 19th. Uh, the first show was sold out already. We had nice. 240 seats gone. Oh, congratulations uh, And then that. the second, third, and fourth show, we still got plenty of tickets. Uh, so, um, so the January 19th. So it's Friday. Friday. It's a Friday and Saturday show. Okay. Uh, that Friday showing uh, will be at 7:30 p.m. Uh, 7 p.m. Okay. And then we have a uh, Saturday matinee show at 2 p.m. and a 8 p.m. show uh, on that on the 20th. So January 19th and 20th. The 3D complex in Latonia, Georgia. Where can people go to get tickets? Um, is there like a like I guess through just regular ticket sell, uh, sellers, or is there like a certain website <laughs> they got to go to? Yeah, yeah. So they can go uh, directly to my website, and um, and that website is thechrisjamesjourney.com. That's thechrisjamesjourney.com. Nice. So T H E Chris James Journey dot com and they can get those tickets right there or they can go to eventbrite.com and put put in the search engine odds against us stage play the odds against us stage play uh and they can you know definitely look at my social media uh mm-hmm. chris james journey facebook instagram chris james journey and see everything that i'm doing there uh and they can call if you want to call you know ask about group rates or if you have any further questions uh they can call me at uh 404-532- 9179. I'm going to say that one more time. 404-532-9179. And uh, we can definitely get them tickets, man. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, if you got a, a large enough group, we'll give you discounts. And, you know, That's even awesome. a full section if you want. Oh, what? Okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, everybody, you have all the information you need to get some tickets or ask any questions. And definitely we'll go def- check that play out. We'll definitely post it on Facebook. Yeah, written definitely. form for people who don't like to write down <laughs> things that they hear on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, exactly. And I saw the um, I saw the trailer for it on your Instagram. It looks really amazing, man. Like just the way you put that together too. Did you put that together? Or did someone do the editing for you? As far as that goes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have somebody that does the editing awesome. for me. Uh, a guy in Hot Springs, Arkansas. He does okay. all that for me. Oh, nice. Okay. Keeping it like homegrown, I guess, in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I, I try to keep it, you know, real local and real yeah. uh, homegrown. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome, man. I know we're at, we're kind of at time already. I know you're a busy person. Not trying to keep you too much longer, but we do have some random questions that we ask every guest, and we have to do these quick fire questions if you have time for it. Let's do it. All right, cool. Did you want to mention anything else though about um? Any projects you have coming up or anything like that that we can, uh, you know, let people know about those or? Oh, uh, man. Uh, well, I would definitely say, you know, just make sure you follow my social media. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you call me. Make sure you go to the website, thechrisjamesjourney.com, and they can see all the new uh, upcoming projects. Um, you know, I'll definitely uh, be doing my stage play, Dear Black People, again at the end of March in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, at, a, at a venue in the Little Five Points, so definitely look at that. Oh, Little uh, Five Points, nice. And yeah, so I'll be announcing all that stuff uh, really soon. And yeah, man, that's pretty much what I'll, I got to say to people, man. But you know, love life, love yourself. You know, do what makes you happy. Uh, be confident. Um, and you know, uh, people always um, you know have this thing about uh, nobody's. I'm not gonna let anybody use me. You know, like whatever. 
you know, but the point, but I always like to tell people, man, that everything in, in, in life is full circle. You know, like we're meant to be used, you know, people are going to use you and you're also going to use people, you know, when it comes time for your vision to be executed upon. Yeah. You know, uh, so, so it's all full circle. The, the sun, you know, or, or the flowers use the sun. You know, um, yeah, true. The, the cows use the grass, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, so everything is being used by something because it because it's needed to be used uh, so it can continue. So everything is full circle, man. So allow yourself to be used and allow. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that that was a random thought but no sometimes those are the best thoughts in it i was gonna say random thoughts in front of random questions yeah that's good (laughs) yeah are you ready chris okay all right favorite food uh dressing Ooh, that's nice yeah never had that one thanks okay for the seasons uh favorite hip-hop producer uh favorite hip-hop producer uh uh rye howard okay sweet um favorite superhero my mama. <laughs> good answer. Nice. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Favorite '90s rock song. <laughs> or change uh, it to your genre of music. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, stick to my, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. I never really listen to rock, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, all that. Um, my favorite hip hop group would be uh, the Roots. Oh, the Roots. Roots. Okay, cool. Um, favorite curse word. Motherfucker. <laughs> nice. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? I, I just found out that was different. Uh, oh! So, uh, oh, no! <laughs> what? So, uh, I would say uh, Star Wars, though. Okay. Good answer, good answer. Favorite restaurant in Arkansas? Uh, Lindsay's Hospitality House. Lindsay Barbecue. Okay, cool. Do you have one for Atlanta? <sighs> Man, I don't really eat out that much anymore. You know, I got a whole uh, fiance at home, so nice. she just cooks for me and all that good stuff. So I don't really eat out. Oh, that's lucky, man. That's awesome. Nice. I know, right? <laughs> hey, get you somebody who will cook for you, man. <laughs> right. Or if you know how to cook. That's that's good. Too. Yeah, definitely. Favorite hobby? Ah, fishing. besides writing. <laughs> yeah, fishing. Yep. <laughs> all right. It stuck with me. All right, fishing. All right, fishing. Nice. All right. Uh, favorite holiday? Um, man, I don't really celebrate holidays, but my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving because it's, you know, uh, it's food. I'm about to say, get that dressing. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. All right, you want me to ask this one? Yeah, go, go ahead. All right, so we have a question that we ask all of our guests, and we're almost at episode 100, so I know. we need to go back and retally everything up. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Think about this. This is a very, very serious and important question. Yeah, super serious. Ooh. Okay. Can unicorns fly? Why or why not? Can unicorns fly? Why or why not? Uh, no, they can't fly because their wings are too small. Huh. So that's <laughs> nice. a no. All right, that's cool. That's a no. no. Yeah. I mean, think about how big a unicorn is. It's like big. It's like a whole horse. <laughs> you know, like those wings aren't strong enough to like make them get off the ground. Like, Yeah. Well, fine. Because we we've had it, we've had this competition for like two and a half years now. So you totally got you're totally More on Chris's side yep. of this. Yeah, Chris's okay. stick together. Yeah, I know, right? All right. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for being on the show, man. This has been amazing. Come back anytime. I had so many more questions to ask you as you were speaking, but I didn't want to like keep you for like a two hours. So I was like, 
trying trying to like you know not not crowd you with too many questions but um definitely feel hey, free man. to come back though anytime. Hey, I, I, well i definitely thank you for having me on and i'll yeah of know, course I'll, I'll be willing to come back anytime man that's amazing thank you so much though it was really cool talking to you like i learned a lot just by hearing hearing you speak so i appreciate mm -hmm. that you know for real um, most definitely most definitely and just some stuff you said like inspired me to just just keep doing what i'm doing and try to be passionate about like what i'm trying to achieve in life so thanks so much for that um the play is going to be amazing, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And yes. um, yeah, definitely keep us posted. If we can help you promote every, anything on our Facebook, Instagram, whatever, you know, we're totally going to do it. So anything you need, man, let me know. The play is called The Odds Against Us. And it's, called, it's January 19th, 20th, right? Did I get the date right? Yep, you got it. Okay, cool. Chris James, thank you so much for your time. Um, we'll, we'll definitely uh, keep up with you and we'll talk soon. Man, I look forward to it, man. Hey, yeah. To everybody who wants to make a, a living off their art, or who wants to do anything, you want to start a business, you want to, you know, get this girl or this guy <laughs> that you've been looking at. Yeah. My advice to you, man, is look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Don't be a punk." <laughs> right. That's you perfect. know what? That's good. I really needed that advice today. I, yeah. It was a hey, for really real, bad man. Day, do it. So like, it nothing, hey, nothing is stopping you in life but you. Right. You have mm -hmm. control of it. Like no, that's true. You know, like. I read this book called The Art of Living, and in that book, it talks about we have to learn what we can and what we can't control. Right. You can't control if you were born into a poor family. You can't control if you were born with three arms or one arm, you know? Uh, so, so, But you can control your ultimate outcome. Right. I, I, I was born into a very poor family, mm -hmm. but I have the choice if I'm going to die in a poor one. Right. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. Definitely yeah. respect that. So that's all my advice today. That's all I got to say. I, I'm going I'm to say bye. No, that's awesome, man. <laughs> right, so. Where, so where can people, um, I guess before you go, where can people catch you next? Like, what you have any other interviews coming up or any other, like, um, any other TED Talks speaks you got coming up soon? Uh, no TED Talks coming soon, but okay. uh, I'm actually, uh, like, in 30 minutes, I'll be on uh, on a live uh, uh, recording with uh, Bat Talk Media, which oh, is cool. another Atlanta-based uh, nice. podcast. Nice, okay. uh, so uh, back, so that's B A K Talk Media, Back Talk Media. So I'm on my way to that. Sweet. And then Wednesday I have a, another podcast. I forgot the name of it. Oh, and then uh, man, so I got so I got a lot of podcast interviews, you know, promoting the next stage. But, yeah, staying you know, busy, man. Wanna, yeah, man, I gotta stay busy, man. Yeah. I'm on a uh, on a PR marketing uh, tour. That's so, amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, congrats on all the success, and I wish you a lot more, man, in the future. You're definitely doing, like, a lot of work that's in that's inspiring. So thanks for being someone positive in the world. Like, we need more people like that. So, yep. Amen. Hallelujah, man. Thank you guys for doing what you're doing. Of we course. definitely need Thank platforms you. like this. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Definitely. All right, so we'll definitely be in touch, man. Take it easy and have a great night, and good luck on that interview you're going to do. So I'm sure you'll do amazing. All right, man. Thank you all so much, man. Peace <laughs> and love. Have a great one. All right, you take too. care. Bye-bye. All right. All right, so that's going to be it for us this episode, guys. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud. We're leaving SoundCloud soon. All under Everybody's <laughs> Podcast. Um, thanks, Chris, for being here. No problem. And uh, Jamie couldn't be here because she was um, doing some family stuff, making candy. So she'll it's bring us some candy. holidays. Yeah, exactly. So thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate right. it. And we'll tune catch. in next time for our post-off. Yeah, exactly. The host-off is going to be amazing i think we have a few people that actually want to be on eric is going to be on too he actually wants nice. to be on officially so yeah. um 100 episode something exciting for us and we hope you guys are excited about it too so thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time